Would you take your Bible this morning, please, and turn back to Matthew chapter 16. Uh, Matthew chapter 16 this morning, of course, we're making our way through uh, Matthew's gospel. Uh, Richard looking primarily at, at our Savior uh, and his ministry, uh, his earthly ministry. I want to go back this morning and, and pick this up here in Matthew 16, uh, verse 13. I'm going to read down through uh, the end of the chapter this morning, and we'll let you sit this morning. Uh, we'll look at a small portion of this passage, but I want to go back to verse 13 and read down to the end this morning. Here, uh, the Bible says, Matthew 16 and verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, so there up in Galilee, uh, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say uh, that I, the Son of Man, am? We saw this question last week. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, uh, and others Jeremiah, the prophets, or one of the other prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? We saw this last week. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go uh, south unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned, Jesus turned and said unto him, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him, what are the next two words, church? Deny himself and take up his cross and what? Follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall he, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see. The Son of Man coming in his kingdom, no doubt a reference to the transfiguration that occurs right in the hills of that in the next chapter. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, thank you this morning for uh, this passage. Thank you this morning for our Bibles. Lord, we thank you this morning for uh, the power of your words and their effect in our lives. Lord, we thank you this morning for instruction uh, from your words. Lord, there's so much in, in a small chapter here, 
I pray that you help us to uh, see the things that I believe you would have us to focus on this morning and understand these things and their importance uh, for our church. Father, I pray that you help me now uh, to handle your words well, accurately, and Lord, that you work in our hearts this morning to uh, build us up, to edify us uh, through your words, uh, to grow right understanding of them, Lord, for you. Lord, I pray now that you'll work here and accomplish that which you desire to accomplish. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You probably heard pastors say at times, Brother R, I was working on a message and I felt like it's just not exactly what God wanted me to do. And so when that happens, you have a choice, right? You can just do what you want to do or, or you can do what God wants you to do. Amen. And that's kind of how it went this week. And so I said, well, okay, Lord, what would you have us to look at and focus on this morning? He said, I think you kind of skipped over some things that are, are kind of important here. Uh, going back to verse 18, it just felt like the Lord was just drawing my attention uh, back there. I said, well, may, maybe we could focus a little bit on uh, verses 18 and 19 and uh, maybe some other things, but let's at least start there. And, uh, Brother Ed, when you feel led to focus somewhere you, by the Lord, you, you do well to do that. Amen. <laughs> so uh, would you please look back here um, in verse 18. I want us to see some truths this morning about Christ, about the, the churches and the Lord's promises uh, regarding churches. Uh, are you glad for your church this morning? Are you glad for your church this morning? I am. Uh, I am. I'm, I'm glad for our church this morning. Rich, I understand that uh, churches are how God is working. Uh, they're, they're his institution for this point in history. Was that always the case? Was it always the case the Lord worked through churches? No, it was not. Uh, before Jesus came, uh, that, that was not the case. Uh, but we can see that when he came uh, and during his earthly ministry, uh, it would seem to me that he began to organize. He, he, he began to call men to repentance and, uh, and assemble together a group of men that he had called out from the world. And uh, he began to preach to them uh, and to teach them uh, and, and to give them things that, that a church would need. I believe, by, I, I believe that by the time you get to this point in Scripture, uh, Jesus has, he's got a little church. Now, I understand the Holy Spirit has not yet been sent on the day of Pentecost to uh, empower this church yet, N not yet, but nonetheless, uh, the Lord has organized a group of believers that he's called out from the world, uh, and he's given, the thing, given them the things that they need uh, to be an assembly uh, used by him uh, for his purposes. And by the way, Brother Art, they have a pretty good pastor, don't they? Who's their pastor? It's Lord Jesus himself. He's, he's their pastor. Uh, and, and so we praise God for that. I want, you, I want to kind of uh, look at the end of, well, no, not, not the end, but look with me in, in verse 18. Uh, Jesus says about halfway through this verse, he says, I will build my what? He says, I will build my church. And what is that? I want to begin there and then come back and kind of build back toward that word. But I think we need to look at that word first this morning uh, and understand that word so that we can put the rest of it in, in that context. Uh, listen, if, if you've been to our church for long at all, this is, this is something we try to major on because we, we believe this is important. Uh, what, it, what is a church? Well, uh, the, the, the word church is a word that was in use 
Uh, the Greek word that underlies that, right? It was a word that was in use uh, before uh, the Lord used it. It was, a, it was a word that was commonly used in a political context, right? Uh, it was more of a political word that referred to uh, a group of people that were called out from their homes to come together uh, for a specific purpose. And the first use of that word, Brother Steve, we, we know was people coming out, gathering together uh, as sort of a, a political assembly to make decisions for their community and, and to, to resolve issues for their community. But it, it was a group of people who were called out to assemble together uh, for a purpose. And so by the time we get to the Lord's teaching about churches, that was a word that was available that, that described what he intended it to be kind of structurally. Uh, a group of people, a physical group of people who, who would come out uh, and, and gather together, not for their purposes, not for political purposes, but for whose purposes? The Lord's purposes, right? That's, that's what a church is, the ecclesia, that underlying word. We, we understand that. Group of people called out uh, together uh, for a purpose, in this case, uh, in this case, God's purposes. And so uh, the Lord now, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's, he's beginning uh, to teach about the institution of churches because uh, he's getting pretty close to the cross now, right? He, he's still up north in, in Galilee, at this point, Caesarea Philippi, but he's beginning to teach about his arrest uh, and, and the cross and the crucifixion. Uh, and he needs them to understand before that happens that uh, this thing that, that, that he is assembling, they need to understand this because this is going to be his institution uh, through which he's going to work, going forward through history uh, un until he comes back again. Uh, it's going to be churches uh, through whom, or, or yeah, through whom the Lord will be working. Now he's come preaching the kingdom, uh, right up up to this point. The focus is in, in Matthew's been kind of on on the kingdom and, and the Lord's offer of the kingdom, but we can see that offer has been rejected. Uh, consequently, the Lord will be crucified. We we knew the prophets told us this would happen, uh, and so Jesus is kind of shifting now from this talk of the sort of the imminent kingdom to. Uh, the, the immediate use of his churches now will be uh, the focus going forward until uh, his return. So he's sort of introducing here this idea of, of the church and making some really important promises uh, about, about his church or, or churches. And that's really what I want to see this morning. It's the nature of churches and some promises that the Lord has made uh, regarding churches uh, that I would have us to see here this morning. I'm going to stop there and pray. Uh, maybe again, we'll, we'll jump in. Let's pray. Father, thank you again uh, this morning for your words. Lord, we thank you this morning uh, for churches. Uh, Lord, for our church, thank you for establishing it and uh, building it up in, in you and your words. Uh, Lord, we understand this morning that uh, churches are your institution, your way, your vehicle uh, for ministry uh, in the world at this time. Uh, and so we're grateful, Lord, for our church, uh, for, for our, its members and for the ministries uh, of this church. Uh, Lord, I pray you help us now to see things that you would have us to see here uh, and, Lord, that we'd be united around the truth of your word in this regard. Lord, help us to understand this morning the nature and importance 
of your churches. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now uh, in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Uh, there's, a, there's a difficulty here. I want you to see this first here. Uh, I want you to take some notes this morning, please. Get this idea down first, please. Uh, number one, Christ is the rock that churches are built upon. If you want to say amen, you can say amen, church. Christ is the rock that churches are built upon. Uh, we understand this morning that there's been a lot of misunderstanding of, of what Jesus is saying to Peter here. And listen, we understand the Roman Catholic Church has, we believe, misunderstood this verse uh, to mean that Jesus would build his church upon Peter, uh, the rock, and that he used to be viewed as uh, as the first pope and that he would have a, uh, an authority uh, as a pope that would be similar to the authority of Christ and that that would be kind of handed down through time and, and, and that uh, this is the thing. But I think understand this morning that uh, that cannot be the right understanding uh, of this passage for a few reasons. By the way, does that challenge anybody here this morning? Do you feel like that's different than what you've been taught? Or, or do you feel like you've understood that it's not Peter who's the rock the church is built upon, but rather it's the Lord Jesus Christ? It's Lord Jesus Christ. I want to share with you some reason. And you forgive me this morning if I get just a little bit academic. Sometimes you need to be a little bit academic, but, but not for the sake of being academic. Brother Steve, I couldn't impress you with my ability to be academic anyway. So we'll, we'll, just, we'll just be a little bit academic. Why don't you see here, go back to verse 18 again. Jesus says uh, to, to Peter, he says, I say unto thee, I understand thee is a pronoun. It refers to one person. Uh, so he is talking to Peter. Uh, he, he says, I, I say unto thee, uh, Mr. Peter, thou art Peter. Uh, Peter's word does, his name, uh, Petras, does refer to a rock, but it's, it's technically a small rock. Uh, his, his name means small rock. He says, upon this rock, so there's a question about what, what is this referring to, uh, and also understand the, the word rock that he uses there, it refers to a big rock. So uh, the Lord is doing a couple of things here. He's talking to Peter, uh, but he's, he's comparing Peter as kind of a smaller rock to something else that is a, a bigger rock. Uh, may I say this? Uh, if, if Peter's a rock compared to Lord Jesus Christ, he's a smaller rock. Amen. Uh, it, Lord Jesus, you, you may be someone who is helpful to me in my life, and, and many of you are. Praise God for you. There may be a sense in which uh, you're, you're a stone or a rock in the foundation that supports me uh, as a pastor. And I appreciate you uh, if, if you are. Uh, you, you certainly are. But no man, no person could be uh, a rock in my foundation or the rock that is my foundation like the Lord Jesus Christ is. Amen? You understand that, right? We, we could be a rock for each other, but not like Christ can be our foundation. He's the right foundation for our walk uh, with the Lord. He, he's the only foundation uh, for churches. Uh, the Lord calls Peter technically the underlying words a little rock, but he calls himself a bigger rock, more like you're a rock and, I, and I'm the rock. Uh, would be more like the idea. So uh, there's, there's language here that, that hints 
uh, at the fact that Peter, the Lord is not saying, Peter, you're the rock that I'm going to build uh, my church upon. There's another thing here grammatically, and I don't want to get too technical, and I, and I won't uh, spend time on this, but I will just share with you this morning that there's some underlying Greek grammar here that renders it essentially impossible that Jesus is saying to Peter, you are the rock upon which I will build uh, my church. We won't get into all of the, all the details, but there's, there's gender discordance in the underlying Greek that makes it uh, impossible technically to interpret it that way. I understand some churches have. I understood the Catholic Church has built their whole ecclesiology, their whole doctrine of church, uh, essentially on, on this verse, but there's problems uh, that, that make that, make that um, a, well, a problem. There's technical issues uh, that, that render that understanding problematic. Uh, listen, throughout the Bible, uh, throughout the Bible, isn't it the Lord who is portrayed as our rock? Can you think of some verses throughout Scripture, throughout, I mean, leading up to this point in, in history where Jesus is teaching about churches uh, and, and what they'll be founded on and, and who they'll be founded upon? Uh, he's using language that would have been familiar to people who were familiar with the scripture that was available up to that point. How about Psalm 18 and verse 2? Is that, is that one that has made its way into your brain? Brother Art, the problem, I has verse, the problem that I have is that verses make their way in and then they, they, they come out and then they're not here anymore. Do you, do you have that problem? They get in there, right? They enter in through here and it seems like they get up here for a while and, and, and then for me, they come out this way and, and they're no longer, Lord, help us to remember your words. Uh, I, I encourage everyone, hey, try to memorize scripture. Uh, have a list of verses that you're trying to memorize. Find, find issues that you struggle with and verses that relate to that. Uh, and, and learn them or keep them in your pocket or on your phone. Um, keep at it. Keep, keep at it. Even if they don't stay in there, keep at it. Psalm 18 verse 2 says this, the Lord is my rock. Amen? That's what the Bible said. The Lord, the, the psalmist says, the Lord is my rock. Not some other person. Uh, he says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, uh, my high tower. We have a good God, amen? Do we have a good God? He's all of that for us and, and so much more. He's my rock. What do you mean by that, Lord? He's my steady foundation, amen? Uh, he's a steady foundation. He does not change. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. We, we can study a book like Isaiah and learn so much of God, his attributes, and, and, and understand he does not change. What we see there is the same God that we know today. Uh, the same Jesus that we see in the New Testament here is, is the same Jesus who saves us today. He does not change. He, he, he's a steady, strong, unchanging foundation foundation. All throughout scripture, the Lord is the one who's presented as our rock. Psalm 61 and verse 2, write down the reference, please. Uh, Psalm 61 and verse 2, the psalmist says, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, Lord, when my heart is overwhelmed. He says, lead me to the rock, the rock, the rock that is higher than I. Aren't you glad this morning that the Lord is the rock who is higher than we are? 
Aren't you glad for that this morning? He's not down here. I mean, he is. He's indwelling me, but he's so much higher than we are, stronger, more powerful uh, in an unlimited way. Um, uh, In uh, Acts 4 and verse 10, uh, in Acts 4 and verse 10, Peter is preaching, the same Peter uh, who Jesus had to rebuke here for rejecting the idea of the death, burial, and resurrection of his Savior. Uh, Peter's been straightened out now by the Lord. Acts 4 and verse 10, Peter's preaching. He says, be it known unto you all, unto all the people of Israel. He's preaching to, to Jewish people that by the name of the Lord Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone the stone, the rock, which was set at naught uh, of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Uh, we have some uh, architects and engineers with us this morning who could do a much better job of explaining that. But, but the head of the, cor- the cornerstone is important structurally uh, in, in building a stone structure, right? It's, uh, it, it, we could say that. It's, it's important. It's important to the strength and, and all, all of that. Uh, it, it, it's critically important for the strength and stability and endurance uh, of a stone structure. Jesus Christ is that. Uh, he is critically important to our stability uh, in, our, in our salvation, in our walk with the Lord. Uh, and and he, uh, he is the chief cornerstone, the head of the corner. He's the foundation uh, and, and the chief, uh, the head of it all. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 4, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church about the people back in the time of the wilderness wandering. He says, for as they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Uh, that rock was Christ. We just go on and on. Brother Art, I can't go on and on, but I'll give you one more verse. Uh, Ephesians 2 and verse 20. Get that down, please. Ephesians 2 and verse 20. Part of that verse says Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord is consistently presented throughout Scripture with this metaphor uh, or simile at times, uh, this the poetic presentation of, of the Lord uh, as the rock, the foundation. Uh, and so for the Lord to come during his earthly ministry uh, and to present someone else as the rock that the church would be built upon. It doesn't make sense. It would be uh, inconsistent. Aren't you glad this morning the Bible is perfectly internally consistent? Aren't you glad for that? By the way, that's one of the great proofs. That's one of the great proofs that the Bible is supernatural. Despite the fact that there's many authors who wrote over a great period of time, many of whom who did not have access to each other's writings, and and yet all of their writings are perfectly internally consistent. There's no inconsistencies. And by the way, when it seems like there's an inconsistency, that's us, not the Lord. Amen. You can always resolve anything that appears to be an inconsistency. Don't let anyone tell you anything different. If anyone can show you an inconsistency that cannot be resolved satisfactorily, uh, we have a problem, but no one can. People claim they can, uh, but you can show them how their concern can be resolved in a very reasonable way uh, that, that reconciles and harmonizes Scripture. You can always do that. That's because it all is of the Lord. It is all from Him uh, and of Him. It's perfectly internally consistent. So for, for someone other than the Lord Himself to be presented as a rock here, 
uh, would be an inconsistency. It's technically, grammatically not possible that Peter be the rock that churches are built upon. Um, the words themselves are different. Peter, little rock, Lord, big rock. And it would be, it would be inconsistent historically and thematically for anyone or anything other than Lord to be the thing that churches are built upon. And so I would submit to you this morning, again, Christ is the rock that churches are built upon. Amen? Uh, listen, we have to be careful that we don't lose sight of that. Uh, churches are not built upon uh, the rock of pastors. Say amen. A pastor is important in a church. The, the office of pastor is important. Many men can fill that role. The office is important, uh, just like every other place of service in a church is important. By the way, all, they're equally important. Uh, the, 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 the different places of service, in a church, pastors are important. Uh, di Sunday school, different, different, different places of service uh, in a church are important, but it's Christ. It is Christ that must be our foundation. Uh, we're called to work hard and to serve hard as saved, baptized members of a church uh, for the Lord. But we have to take care that we not view our own effort as being the foundation uh, for our church being able to go on. Amen. We're called to serve the Lord. We're called to share the gospel. Uh, we're called to, uh, to reach out to people, to disciple folks as, as they come into the church. Uh, that's important. The Lord has called us to that. It's absolutely critically important that we be faithful to that as the members of our church. But our service is not the foundation of our church. The Lord Jesus Christ is the foundation of our church. Amen? Don't forget that. It's the Lord who must be our foundation. Everything else that we do is built up from him. We rely on him to be the rock, to be the cornerstone, our point of reference, and the thing uh, that is our solid, steady, stable foundation. Uh, but he, he is the beginning. It's when churches lose sight of that and start relying on something other than the Lord where they begin to get unstable and steady, unsteady and fracture and fall apart and split apart uh, and fall away. Lord Jesus Christ is not unstable, unsteady. He'll not fracture, he'll not fall away. If our foundation is right, our church can be right and steady and stable uh, over time. By the way, no matter what, no matter what the world does, uh, no matter what finances are available or not available, uh, no, no matter what challenges, legal or cultural challenges we face as a church, have God's people not always faced challenges all the way down through time over these last 2,000 years? Is that a fact? Absolutely it is. Uh, you know all the persecutions and difficulties, uh, and, and yes, we're, we're going to experience difficulties and maybe something more like persecution as we go forward today. We, we understand that, but that's not new. That's not new. Uh, churches that have had Christ as their foundation, their rock, uh, and, and always bring it back to him and, and rely upon him uh, and serve for him in his strength according to his word, Go on and, and, and continue because we're maintained by him. We praise God for that. Once you see that this morning, number one, Christ is the rock that churches are built upon. Uh, we got that. Number two this morning, Jesus says, 
Uh, Jesus says in, in verse 18, so we're kind of moving back now. He says, he says, I will build, what are the next two words? He says, I will build my church. I want, I want to look at those two uh, phrases separately. He, first he says this. He says, I will what? What does he say? I will, he says, I will build. I want you to focus on that for a second. Uh, Jesus says that he will build uh, his church. The word build is, is very interesting. It, it's, it's not, it doesn't really have the idea of sort of uh, starting something from scratch. It has more the idea of building up or edifying uh, or strengthening. He already had a group of men who had been called out, called together. Uh, he already had an assembly. He already had a group of men uh, who had placed their faith in him, uh, his disciples, and, and many others. He wasn't, he's not saying, I'm going to start building this thing now. What he's saying is that I am the one that will strengthen and build up and edify uh, my church. Uh, listen, uh, Brother Art, there's all kinds of things that, that we rely upon to strengthen churches, right? And I've, I've made reference to some of those things already. The teaching and, and, and the preaching, it's important. We understand churches are called to be focused on the Word of God. And teaching and preaching of the Word of God should be the central, most important thing uh, that, that a church does. Absolutely. Discipling of new believers, absolutely. Uh, evangelism, reaching out, sharing the gospel however we can. Uh, absolutely all things that are critically, critically important. But at the end of the day, we need to understand that it's the supernatural power and working of the Lord Jesus Christ that ultimately strengthens a church uh, and, and builds it up and enables us to do what it is that he has called us to do. I think sometimes we, we, we try to do all the things, all, all the ministry work that he's called us to do uh, in our power, hoping that as we do that, the church will be edified, built up, and strengthened when we forget that uh, we are called to do those things in his power, having already been built up, strengthened, edified by him so that we can do the work that he's called us to. We don't do the work that he's called us to in our strength so that the church can be strengthened. We're called to serve him in his strength so that church can be as strong as he desires for it to be. Lord, help us to always remember it's you who builds up, who edifies, who strengthens uh, your churches. So number one, Christ is the rock, amen? Uh, number two, he's the one that builds up and strengthens, uh, and strengthens churches. Uh, by the way, let's, let's back up for a second. How does the Lord do that? How does he strengthen? How does he strengthen or build up churches? How does he do that? Are you thinking? Pastors catch his breath. Would you turn over to Ephesians chapter 5 just for a moment, please? How does he do that? I understand the Lord works in us supernaturally. The Spirit of God strengthens us supernaturally. I also understand the Lord works supernaturally through the preaching and teaching of his words. Look at Ephesians 5, please. Ephesians 5 and, and verse 25. So, of course, this is Paul 
writing under inspiration to the church at Ephesus. And uh, he commands them, husbands, love your wives. That's a good command. Even as Christ also loved the what? Church. And gave himself for it. I'll stop there for just one second. Um, it, it seems to me that if Christ gave himself for the church, church must be pretty important. Amen? I understand the members, the individual members make up the church. We constitute the church. And that's probably the most important thing. But he, he gave himself for the church and its individual. The church is important. It's important. Verse 26, that that or so that he might sanctify uh, and cleanse it with the washing of water uh, by the what? What does it say? By the what? By the word. By the word. So, listen, I understand Christ um, has sanctified and, and cleansed us. That's possible by the cross. We're, we're saved only by the cross, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and, and placing our faith in him. Uh, but understand here that the, Paul, under inspiration, is, is emphasizing the words of God and, and their, uh, their power uh, in the church, their, their, their power to not only communicate the gospel, the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ, but, but that which would edify, that which would build up the, the saved, baptized church members also. The word, by, by the word, uh, and the, the Greek word that underlies word there has a pretty literal idea to spoken words, uh, the preaching and teaching of the word of God. Uh, as a saved, baptized church member, yields to the Spirit of God uh, and receives power to preach and teach God's words, uh, the church is instructed technically, but also built up spiritually, uh, spiritually uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ. This, this is just God's way. Uh, saved, baptized person yielded to the Spirit of God, preaching the words of God. The Lord enters into that equation and not only instructs us, not only grows our knowledge, but builds us up spiritually, edifies us, uh, builds us up spiritually in these things. Bring out this idea of one other place. Turn over to 1 Timothy. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, please. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. So here, of course, Paul is writing under inspiration to young preacher, Pastor Timothy, uh, and he had much to uh, share with him about his ministry and, and, and how he conducted it. And he has much to say, much to teach. Of course, it's the Lord through Paul teaching Timothy uh, about churches. And here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, Paul writes, he says, These things write I unto thee, uh, hoping to come unto thee shortly, but... Uh, if I tarry long, if the Lord doesn't permit me to come to you, uh, I'm, I'm writing to you under inspiration that or so that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the what? What does it say? Which is the what? Which is the church of the living God. Paul says, listen, I, I hope to come and, and, and teach you and encourage you and uh, be used of God to build you up, but uh, I don't know if that's going to be possible. I don't know if God's going to permit that or not. And so I'm writing the words that God has uh, for, for you to know and understand uh, so that your church can be built up. It can be edified. It can be strengthened 
by the Lord through his words that he's having me to write to you right now. The words of God written down by Paul to Timothy and, and preserved by God. This would be the basis that Timothy uh, could see uh, the church that he was pastoring strengthened, how the people there should behave themselves in, in the house of God. Listen, I don't know, Brother Art, what, what a church should look like, how it should be structured, what people should do and, and not do, what our services should include. I don't know anything about that unless I look into the Word of God and see it. Amen. And, and then we just yield to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, help us. Uh, help us to teach doctrine as, as, as you give us understanding. Help us to conduct ourselves uh, to do things that are consistent with your word. And the Lord, as we do those things, build us up, strengthen us, edify us uh, on Christ as our foundation. Uh, he says, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave them, thyself uh, in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground uh, of the truth. There's, there's more engineering language there, Brother Richard. Uh, the ground is, is a pretty firm thing. A pillar set in the ground uh, is, is a firm and strong thing, assuming that's done correctly. Uh, the Lord has called churches uh, to be the pillar and ground of which truth? What does it say? What is this? What's the word before truth, Zach Hammond? <laughs> What's the word before truth there? First Timothy 3, it's the truth. It's the truth. The truth of God's word uh, preached by a saved, baptized person who's yielded the spirit of God uh, with the spirit of God working in and through the preaching and teaching of God's word uh, in, the, in, in and through the ministries of the institution that God is using at this time. Churches uh, convey truth, the truth, not the various different versions of truth that are available out there in the world, but the Lord's, the truth. Uh, churches can be built up, edified, uh, as we commit and recommit and stay committed to preaching and teaching uh, the words of God. Is the Bible important? Is the Bible important? Lord, help us. Lord, help us never lose sight of just how important uh, the Bible is. It's not a dusty old book that is not relevant today. It's how we know how to be saved. It's how to know who God is. It's how to know what he's like. It's how to know uh, how the Lord wants us to worship him and, and serve him now. It's in and through churches that have Christ as their foundation that are edified and built up by him supernaturally through the preaching uh, and teaching of his words, which he gave supernaturally and has preserved supernaturally so that churches can be edified and built up uh, today. Uh, thirdly this morning, uh, who is it that the church belongs to? Who does this church belong to? What about the property? What about the building? his. I understand there's legal ownership, but um, what, how does Jesus describe the ownership of the church? Look back at verse 18, please. Uh, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, little rock, and upon this rock, by the way, can you, can you picture the Lord speaking to Jesus? You thought about this? He, he's saying, you're, you're Peter, you're Peter, little rock. And then Jesus, can you just picture it? He says, but upon this rock, 
the rock, the big rock. Can you picture that? You're, you're Peter, understand. You, you've just confessed me, thank you. You're Peter, you're, you're a little rock, but upon this rock, this rock, he says, I will build, I will edify, I will build up. What are the next two words? I will build, what are the next two words? What is it? My, my, my church. It's not ours, it's his. Are you his? Are you his? Lord, help us. Uh, the church does not belong to the pastor. What if a pastor plants a church, Brother Steve? You know, good men go out and they plant churches, and we continue to hope and pray the Lord will use this church to plant churches. And what if we send somebody out to plant a church, and they go out and they do that, they organize a church, and they get property, they get a building. Doesn't that belong to the pastor? No, it doesn't. Doesn't it belong to the church? Well, in a legal sense, maybe, a technical sense, maybe. But ultimately, the Lord's churches, did you hear what I said? The Lord's churches belong to whom? To him. We are his. This is, this is my church that the Lord has placed me into. By the way, if you're a member of this church, the Lord placed you into this church. Amen. Uh, if you're visiting this morning, God has given you peace about that. Praise God. Uh, it, it may well be the case that he desires to add you to the membership of this church. That's between you and him. We don't pressure anyone that way ever, even when it seems that way. Please remember that. We don't pressure. But, but understand, God, we, and we could give a lot of scripture, the Lord places people into the assembly that he desires them to be in. You bring your spiritual gift to, um, to be used in the ministries of, of, of this church. It, it's your church in a sense. It's the church that you belong to and serve in and where you're being built up and edified in your walk with Christ as a saved, baptized member of the church. But ultimately, it's for the Lord and it's his church. Amen? It's his church. Uh, we get... Um, and we lose sight of that. It's, it's his. I wrote in my notes this, Long Hill Baptist Church is Christ's church. Amen? I wrote, it is of him and by him and for him. Uh, it is his church and we belong to him. Amen? Hadn't he redeemed you? Has he purchased you at the cross? Church? Is that a good thing? Uh, we are his and it just follows logically. Someone told me this week that they're a logical person. I said, praise God. Uh, praise God. You don't have to park your logic at the door when you come into a church. Amen. Lord's given us minds. He's logical. And he's created logical people. I understand sometimes there's a chasm between logic and faith. I understand that. But uh, praise God. We belong to him. Uh, this church is God's church. By the way, if it's his, should he not be allowed to use it any way that he chooses? Amen? If you are his, should he not be allowed to call you to serve him uh, in the church to which you belong any way that he seems, sees fit? Um, Rich, if I own something, I have authority over it to use it any way I want to. Amen? Uh, at least I desire that. <laughs> at least I desire that. Lord, the Lord has purchased us. He's redeemed us. We are his. This church is his. Uh, boy, Lord, help us to remember the, the, the truth of those words 
and, and the significance of those words, uh, Lord, help me as a member of the church to, give my, to yield myself to you, to be used of you uh, any way that you desire. And, and if, if, a, if a group of people who are a church are all coming to the Lord uh, with that heart, at the end of the day, what do you have? You have a church that's yielded to the Lord and however he wants to use the individuals and however he wants to use the church. And it's a church that looks like it belongs to the Lord. Do you belong to the Lord? Amen. Aren't you glad you don't belong to anyone else? Lord, help us to be yielded to you, to say, Lord, here I am. Use me however you want in my church. And Lord, help my church to be available to be used any way that you desire. Would you pray that? Would you, would you make that? a part of your regular prayers if you've not done that. Lord, Lord, just help me to be yielded to you. And as the members of my church, as I yield to you, as the members of our church yield to you, Lord, help our church to be yielded to you that you might use us any way that you desire. Does anything else make sense, Brother Gary? It really doesn't. But it's hard because... Pride sneaks in, and we want to do what we want to do as individuals, and we want our church to do what we want to do as individuals. That's pride. That's pride. Lord, help us to park our pride outside and be yielded to you and your desires. Let's go just a, just a touch further here, please. The next part of verse 8, I want you to see this. Um, let me ask you a question first. Are we in a battle? Are we in a battle? We're in a spiritual battle. Uh, I don't think I have to tell you that. It's pretty obvious, right? We're in a spiritual battle with a very real enemy. Uh, his name is Satan. He's got his own team, right? It's the other angels that rebelled against the Lord uh, in heaven. And, uh, of course, they lost in that rebellion, and, and, and they were booted uh, from heaven. They continued to exist, of course. And they continue to wage war against God's people and very clearly, very plainly against churches. Uh, that, that's very clear. Uh, but, and, and this is the good news. Look, look with me the next part of verse 18. The Bible says, and the gates of, of where? The gates of hell shall, read the rest, the rest of the phrase with me, please. Shall not prevail against it. What's the it? churches. <laughs> Amen. Uh, we're in a battle, and it's a real battle with a real enemy, and, and he's throwing everything he's got at, at churches these days, it, it seems like. He knows that churches are God's institution for getting things done. He understands that. And he aims his attack very strategically, very wisely at churches that are yielded to the Lord uh, and, and, and just available to God uh, and, and doing for the Lord and, and pleasing the Lord. By the way, it seems to me, Brother Steve, if we wanted to discourage the enemy from launching his attacks at us, we would do well to make ourselves a lesser target, a, a lower value target. Don't do that, amen? Don't do that. We, we, we're going <laughs> to... Yeah, you have a decision, right? I've heard, I actually heard a man say one time, he said, I recognized that as I yielded to the Lord 
and began to serve him more obediently, as I began to go out and share the gospel more obediently, as I found a place of service in, the, in my church and, and began to serve more faithfully, he said, you know what happened? The devil's attacks got greater and greater in my life. And he said, I was tempted to do what? To do what? To stop. Because he said, I, I knew that if I made myself less of a target, the enemy would move on and, and go pick on Brother Art or Brother Gary or Brother Richard instead. He said, that was a great temptation. Do you think he's right? Do you think, do you think if he made himself a less valuable target, the enemy might have just moved on? He, he might be right. I don't know for sure, but I think he might be right. About, do you think? He might be right about that. By the way, I think there's pastors who have dropped out of ministry because they understood that when they stepped into that office, they made themselves and their families a very big target, and they just couldn't take the attacks of the enemy any longer. You, if you've been around churches for a while, you've probably seen that. You've probably seen pastors say, I just can't go on anymore. I can't subject my family to this kind of attack any longer. You just need to get out and, and, and get in some situation where we'll be less of a, a target uh, for the enemy to focus on. Have you seen that? I think you've, you've probably seen that. I think some of you have told me something like that uh, along the way. Um, is that the best decision that you could make? It's not the best decision, is it? What's the best decision? You go on in the Lord's strength knowing that we belong to him, that he has authority in our lives, that he has promised to never leave us nor forsake us, that he's promised to work in churches to build up his people and to strengthen them for service uh, and to give them grace to go on despite the challenges that we face, despite the demonic attacks that we face as individuals and as a church. By the way, don't you think that one of the reasons that the Lord allows attacks of the enemy uh, is to try us and to grow us so that we can go on and, and be of greater service to him? He could just constrain the enemy once and for all now during the church age. He will do that in the future. We've seen that in scripture. He's not done that right now. And, and if that's the case, there's a purpose, right? Don't you grow in battles? Don't you grow uh, in trials? Don't you grow? You do, right? Uh, you do. The attacks of the enemy in our life are some of the trials that we experience. And, and I'm just convinced that if we'll respond to that the way the Lord desires, we respond to any trial, we can grow. We can grow and stay faithful and move on for the Lord as individuals and as a church, a group of individuals called together uh, to do that for the Lord. I think people fall out of ministry sometimes because they feel like that if they don't, the devil is going to prevail against them and their families. Would you go back and look at verse 18 again, this phrase that we're looking at? The Lord Jesus Christ himself promised, the gates of hell shall, what is the rest of the verse again, together please, shall what? Not prevail against it. 
Devil can launch any kind of attacks he wants to. You know what? He knows in the end he loses the war. He loses the war no matter what. And if we'll allow it and respond correctly, his attacks are trials that we can be strengthened through if we'll yield to the Lord and ask his grace and ask, Lord, strengthen me through every attack. Grow me through every trial. Lord, help me not be dissuaded or knocked off track or knocked out of my place of service by the attacks of the enemy. If you get faithful, you can count on trials. You can count on attacks. Uh, can you go forward no matter what? You can because you're on the winning team and you are indwelt by whom? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There's great power available to us when we simply yield to the Lord in the midst of those attacks. Um, the Lord here is, is teaching about churches, but churches are made up of people, amen? People who face individual attacks. Um, and, and churches uh, who are attacked corporately as well. Jesus is the rock. Check your rock. Who's your rock? Check, Lord, check my heart. Who's my rock? Uh, I encourage us as we close this morning, we will close. Uh, Lord, if, if I'm not relying upon you to be the rock of my life, show me that in my heart this morning. And, and, and Lord, just help me to turn my attention to you and, and trust you to be the rock of my life and the rock of my church. Don't let the pastor be my rock. Don't let another person be my rock. Uh, Peter wasn't the rock. The Lord is the rock. Lord, help us to get a hold of that. Uh, Lord, help me to look to you to build me up as an individual and to build our church up corporately. Lord, help me to keep in mind that this church is your church. I don't own it. You own it. It's for your purposes. Lord, help me to bear in mind that I will face attacks as a saved, baptized member of a church who's serving you. The enemy desires to throw me off course to stop my service, but Lord, I understand you've called me to a place of service and you will strengthen me and grow me and build me up to go forward. Is this good stuff? Is this important? Amen, amen. Uh, Lord, help us to understand this morning just how important churches are to you. Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, this morning for your words. I believe this is exactly what you have us to, to focus on this morning. And so we have. Lord, thank you for your guidance and, and direction in that regard. Father, I understand this morning that churches are critically important to you. Uh, you've not called us to be freelance Christians. You've not called us to be just people out there acting independently of an assembly like this one. You've, you've called us into assemblies to work together uh, supernaturally, Lord, as, as you edify and build up and protect us, as, as you protect us together supernaturally uh, for your purposes. Lord, I pray this morning that you help us to understand just how important uh, being a church member is and how important uh, churches are to you at this point in history. Father, help us this morning to Understand Christ is our rock. This church is your church. And while we'll face trials as members, you work in those and we will not be defeated. Perhaps this morning, 
uh, the Lord has laid some specific uh, thought on your heart, something that needs to be confessed, of course we encourage you to do that. Uh, perhaps this morning the Lord has worked in your heart regarding the importance of church, being a church member. Um, yield to him as he's leading you. Ask him, Lord, help me yield to you as, as you're leading me. Perhaps there's someone who needs to be baptized so that they can be a, a church member. I encourage you this morning to say, Lord, help me to yield to that. Give me strength. Lord, that seems scary, but I know there's strength and comfort in you to yield myself to you. Perhaps this morning there's conviction about service or a lack of service in your church. And I would simply encourage you this morning to say, Lord, I, I, I agree. I, I accept that. I agree with your conviction. And so, Lord, help me to give myself to you, to be used of you, to serve wherever you desire me to serve. And I'll trust you for strength to do that. Please take a moment and pray as the Lord leads. And I'd be happy, of course, to speak with you about any decisions or uh, decisions that you've made this morning. I'll give you a moment to pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. I'm grateful for it. Lord, thank you for each and every person who's here this morning. Thank you for little JD who's in the nursery. Have your hand upon him. Lord, as we look ahead to the six o'clock service, pray you have your hand on Gary and use him tonight. Thank you for his heart. Father, we love you and pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Zachary.